This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to The Hut. We're joined by our friend Andy McCarthy. He's a former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He is a best-selling author and a contributing editor at National Review. He's at Andrew C. McCarthy on Twitter. Andy, great to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Buck, my pleasure. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about some of these terrorist pardons, treasonous uh, treason pardons, all the rest of it that's happening. First, Obama spoke yesterday about the Chelsea Manning commutation. Here's what he had to say, and then I'm going to get your reaction, Andy. Do we have the audio? Chelsea Manning has served a tough prison sentence. Uh, So the notion that uh, the average person who was thinking about disclosing uh, vital classified information would think that it goes unpunished, uh, uh, I don't think would get that impression from the sentence uh, that Chelsea Manning has served. has been my view that given she went to trial, that due process uh, was carried out, that she took responsibility for her crime, that... All right, we'll stop there, Andy. Others will be here all day. Obama taking plenty of time with his words there, but you, you, you get the gist. What do you think of this? I, I thought uh, at one point I thought his uh, statement was going to be longer than the the term she served. Um, yeah. But I, I you know, I, I must tell you that um, seven years on a serious offense is very unusual in federal court. I've had, you know, fraud cases, even lower level organized crime cases where a, a much more severe sentence was issued. Uh, Chelsea Manning, uh, Bradley Manning, committed the, the the kind of an offense that uh, not long ago you would have been executed for. Um, and 35 years was a highly reasonable sentence. Uh, I, I'd say a lenient sentence under the circumstances. To get an 80% shave off it is just mind-boggling. What it says to... Uh, other countries that we need to get uh, security cooperation from, Buck, because as, as you know better than I do, there's a lot of places in the world where our intelligence that we generate is sparse, and we rely on a lot of these 
uh, foreign intelligence services for information in places where the threat to the United States is profound. Um, between trying to get those countries to cooperate with us and trying to convince uh, potential informants and intelligence sources that we can protect the confidentiality of the things they tell us and then have a person who did, this person did, get slapped on the wrist. Uh, I, I, I just think it's a catastrophe for, uh, for national security. I mean, it creates uh, such incentives against cooperating with the United States uh, that it's mind-boggling to me. And the sense I got from Obama was that he bought into some of the rhetoric on the left when he said that she served a tough sentence. Um, what I took him to mean was not that seven years was tough, but that seven years time for somebody who was transgender uh, in the kind of brig where the time has to be served was tougher on Manning than it would be on the normal defendant. And, you know, we can we can feel for somebody who's who's clearly got you know some problems and at the same time say that our paramount concern has to be the national security of the United States. And if that's the prism you're looking at it through, what he did was just intolerable. I have to say, it's also, and Andy, I don't want to make you talk about something that you're not really interested in or not comfortable getting into on air, but to hear the President of the United States refer to a, a man as she repeatedly, I, I know this is kind of a, it's a diversion except for the fact that I do think that's where some of the leanings, the transgender aspect of this uh, factored very heavily into President Obama's thinking. Uh, but I also I, think I really it's very think, strange that... Yeah. I, I, Buck, I, look, I think you're entirely right. Um, I think that it's another one of these things where it's, uh, you know, political correctness run amok so that those of us who think that what what uh, Manning has is a psychological issue um, are sort of brushed back from saying so. But I must say, you know, as a prosecutor, uh, I heard many uh, kinds of pleas in uh, at the sentencing phase that somebody had this or that condition. Uh, or was uh, of this or that age that made it inappropriate for that person to be uh, expected to do the same kind of sentence that everybody else who was similarly situated in terms of the seriousness of the offense would be expected to do. And the sentencing guidelines and most federal judges and certainly most prosecutors would tell you that that is not a valid reason to to vary in a significant way from a, a severe sentence from for severe conduct. Um, I am not. I would not be agreeable to shaving a day off Manning's sentence uh, because uh, his or her or whatever uh, characteristics and eccentricities make the time in prison more difficult than it would for the average defendant. I think that the paramount concern again is the national security of the United States. I'm not unsympathetic to what the psychological issues may be here, but I, I just think they're a sideshow compared to what we're supposed to be interested in here. I mean, can't you get 20 years under uh, Dodd-Frank, I think it is, in federal prison for destruction of documents in a financial fraud case? I mean, the, people forget, you know this better than 99.999% than of the population because you were a federal prosecutor, but I mean, if the if the federal government if the if the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, comes after you, 
10 years is like what's going to happen if you're guilty. <laughs> That's pretty standard. Who was the guy? Who was it? Who was the guy? Was it Bernie Ebers um, in one of the big financial scandals of the uh, of the 90s? But, you know, he got I saw in our courthouse in Manhattan, he got a sentence and it was only because the judge did some manipulating under the sentencing guidelines that she actually got the sentence down to something around 30 years. And I walked out of the courtroom thinking, man, this this guy just got about 30 years in jail for a fraud he couldn't even explain to you. And that was just because uh, at that moment in time, politically, I think Washington felt like they needed to be able to show that they could be just as hard nosed on, you know, white collar financial fraud as they are on uh, narcotics trafficking, which tends on a on a greater scale to rope in um, uh, African-American and Latino defendants. So, you know, no matter. Yeah, I got to lock away those white collar criminals for decades. I I know that impulse. It it, it plays well in the Democratic Party. But, you know, four four years for Bernie Carrick for I think it was lying. Actually, I actually know people that were involved in his defense or know someone who was involved in his defense. Uh, It was lying on a White House form about whether he had embarrassed the White House or something like that. And uh, and and $170,000 on renovations for a house or four years in federal prison for that. Right. And in the meantime, Lynn Stewart, I think, got 23 months uh, for material support to terrorism and a a sentence that was so appalling, even the Court of Appeals sent it back to the judge to, uh, you know, to resentence her. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of politics, unfortunately, that goes not necessarily into the way that uh, things are handled case by case, but in the way that categories of defendant are handled. And, and look, the reason for the pardon power is that, you know, for better or worse, we want the president to be able to correct injustice. And we and any of us who's worked in the justice system knows that injustice, uh, while it's it's less frequent than um, than you'd believe sometimes reading the newspapers, it certainly does happen. And it's a good power to have if it's used responsibly to correct excesses. But here, I think it created an outrage. Now, I also want you to talk about this, and you wrote about it on National Review, and it's on the corner of National Review, 11th Hour Terrorist Pardons by our friend here, Andrew McCarthy. You have personal experience in cases that have been touched by pardons. Tell us a bit about uh, what you what you write here about the case of the weather underground terrorist Susan Rosenberg and Linda Sue Evans. Yes, well, I... Um... I happened before I left the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, I caught the uh, the Susan Rosenberg case. It had not been my case uh, way back when. She was uh, implicated in the Brinks robbery and a, a lot of the other uh, uh, shenanigans that went on uh, with the weather underground in the uh, '70s and the early '80s. And to make a long story short, she was trying to get her um, uh, some conduct connected to the Brinks robbery discounted so that uh, she could go back to the parole back when we still had federal parole uh, and argue that she should be let out, even though she had gotten, uh, you know, I think it was over a 60 year sentence. So I had a um, I had a about a year and a half litigation um, with her to try to keep her in jail. And finally, uh, in I guess it was late 2000. Uh, persuaded the judge to keep her 
in, that the sentence couldn't be disturbed. Uh, and it was a few weeks after that, uh, if, if my memory is right, that uh, Clinton, on his last day, one of his last official acts, uh, pardoned both Rosenberg and uh, Linda Sue Evans, who was another Weather Underground uh, person who was looking for uh, clemency. A lot of that got buried, Buck, because the, the Mark Rich pardon, uh, the facts of it were so grotesque uh, that people kind of seized on that. And I think the Weather Underground pardons went under the radar. But the fact of the matter is, for some reason, the left has an infatuation um, with anti-American radical uh, terrorists um, who, you know, even I even looked at uh, Susan Rosenberg's uh, page on Wikipedia yesterday, and I think they describe her, if I'm remembering this right, they describe her as a an activist and a, a social uh, a social justice advocate. Uh, you know, they don't they don't want to say the T word um, because for whatever reason, uh, in progressive circles, these people are celebrated as if you know what's the old saying? They're they're just liberals in a hurry, you know. But they were terrorists and they did a lot of damage. Annie McCarthy is a former uh, former AUSA here for the Southern District of New York. He's a best-selling author. Also read his latest on National Review, nationalreview.com. Andy, thank you very much for lending your expertise to us today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Buck. 888-900-3393-TEAM. Uh, before I hit the phones, sponsor this hour is silencershop.com, the best place to go to get a silencer. As you know, if you listen to the show is in fact soundsershop.com. They have the best prices, the best service, and a fantastic selection. And when it comes to making sure that all the paperwork gets done right for your silencer, that all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted, you can trust soundsershop.com because they have submitted more than 60,000 forms to the ATF and for the last year that we have total data. Silencer Shop offers the best prices along with the best service. And when you purchase from soundsershop.com, you simply pick it up at a local dealer with no transfer fees, no shipping. SilencerShop.com is the place to go. Again, SilencerShop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. And team, we will be right back. Buck Sexton. Dispensing the truth. On the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton. On the Blaze Radio Network. Of course, there was the Oscar Lopez Rivera uh, commutation that happened yesterday as well. I talked to you about that. But we often have guests on from The Federalist. Thefederalist.com is the website. Ben Dominich and Sean Davis are the co-founders of it. Uh, Sean joins us a lot. Ben's joined us certainly a few times in the past. Ben and Richard Fowler, who is a radio talk show host, not making us radio talk show hosts look good with his lack of accuracy last night. 
uh, when he said that Scooter Libby was convicted for leaking Valerie Plame's name. That is a lie. This is not this is not debatable. There are court documents that very clearly show that Scooter Libby was found guilty of obstruction and lying to investigators. He was never found guilty of leaking anyone's name to anybody. That is just a fact. That is unalterable. That is the reality. It is the court record that came later in the exchange. But first, let's just hear the two sides. We've got uh, this uh, Richard Fowler, the radio host on the left. This is the left's position, I think, encapsulated. Play what he has to say. Publisher of The Federalist and Richard Fowler. He is New Leaders Council Senior Fellow and Fox News contributor. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, good to have you both here. So Welcome it's been to Washington. A couple of days. Thank you. It's great to be here, Richard. And nice to be on the set with you. You're good usually in a little you. box and you're always much taller than I think you are in person. Um, what do you think about all this? Oh, I got to tell you, I thought about this one really hard. And I think as a president goes out making, you know, doing these last minute pardons and commutations are a hard thing to do. And when I thought about the Oscar Lopez case, I understand why a lot of people in America are furious by it. But I thought back to our founders and the, the Boston Tea Party, right, which was the British, the, the British, the British government at the time thought was a terrorist act because we were fighting for the same type of freedom that he was fighting for the people of Puerto Rico. And so I, I don't know if I would have made the same decision when I'm not the president of the United States, but I understand why the president, president did it, and I think it's in line with what our founders fought for. This guy who was part of a group that would plant bombs in restaurants to kill people for independence for an island that does not want it and that had no prayer of getting it by killing a few people here and there, murdering mothers and fathers, husbands, daughters, uh, in line with the founding. One of the dumbest things I've ever heard said on cable news. Uh, but the left says this about anyone who is, we say, is a terrorist. Any of this, oh, the founding fathers were terrorists because they're just imbeciles who don't know anything about history. Our friend Ben Dominic, the Federalist, with the response. Let's hear it from Fox last night, ben? first hundred days. Well, my family is Puerto Rican, Martha. This is very important to me. Um, my family lived there when America won uh, Puerto Rico in the Spanish-American War. Uh, my family has lived and been active there in the politics there for uh, the decades since, and I care deeply about this. Oscar Lopez Rivera is nothing more than a terrorist. But worse, he's an unrepentant terrorist. Simple fact is that he has never repented. He has never backed off. He has never uh, pushed back on any of the tactics that he used at the time or publicly denounced or regretted them. Your colleague there, Trace, reported, as some reports had it, that, that Rivera was unwilling to sign on to the conditional clemency that President Clinton was willing to grant him that was rejected by the Senate 95 to 2 in 1999 because his fellow colleagues were being, would be in prison. But the New York Times reported at the time the real reason was that the conditional clemency would have required him to give up the use of force and terrorism as we a justifiable approach all the facts to right. his cause. The fact is there is an independentista movement in Puerto Rico. There has been for a very long time. They've been active uh, and they've engaged in a lot of criminal activity that has result, resulted in the deaths of many of their fellow Americans. I think it is unconscionable that President Obama should exit enabling someone who is an unrepentant terrorist who has never apologized for his actions to the victims of the people to the victims he enabled to help uh, kill the to the people to the so people ben, who he helped train that john to, adams is a do you dare terrorist. to compare oscar lopez rivera <laughs> a socialist Moore. who went Wait, mad pause it for one second pause it for one second so i just want to know can someone ask richard fowler um does he compare osama bin laden to john adams does he compare Osama bin Laden to George Washington? I'd like someone to ask this this radio host and, and apparent Fox News contributor if he would make that claim. 
I don't see what the difference is. Let Ben continue to, to pummel the nonsense. Go, please. After living for years in Chicago, working or as a community Franklin, at, who's, who oh yes. the same Oh, yes, activity. Oscar Lopez so, Rivera, who trained, the, who the, trained the hundreds of people so ben, to make bombs the, in order Boston, to kill their was, fellow Americans. What was the Boston Tea Party? There are ways. There are ways. What was the Boston Tea Party? You, you compare the heroes of the Boston Tea Party to Oscar I, Lopez I think Rivera, the, I think the a socialist who was working on behalf of a communist plot to try to spread socialism throughout the Caribbean. I take, I, I take your point. Um, All right. I'm with, I'm, look, I'm with, I'm with Ben Dominich, the Federalist, 100% on this one. It, it, there is that level you can reach in a cable news debate where what's been said is so stupid that it almost, it, it's like you're just getting slimed from above. You're like, how do I, what, wait, what? It's so out there and dumb, and you know you're not going to have enough time to, dis- to dismantle it, and you get fired up because it's so wrong. Anyway, good job, Ben. More coming. We'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I've got an idea. How about we get into some spy time? Play it. Agent, you are joining a clandestine meeting in progress. You will now be read into sensitive programs in real time. Do not communicate this information with any other assets in the field. This is spy time. Oh, yeah. John Schindler's with us now. Observer.com for his latest piece, Spy Clouds Hang Over Trump's Inauguration, formerly of the NSA, currently National Security Writer for the New York Observer. Mr. Schindler, good to have you, sir. It's great to be here as always, Buck. All right, Spy Clouds Hang Over Trump's Inauguration. Walk us through this right now. The dossier looks fake, but there's some other concerns. But just give us the, the latest on what you've been able to uncover from your sources and everything you pulled together on that Trump dossier is that some fake, but you think that some people may think there's something still there. Yeah. The uh, dossier, which Buzzfeed leaked last week is, is a, you know, it's raw human intelligence. It's some, it's a lot of gossip. I think some of it's true. I think some of it's clearly untrue and some of it is somewhere in between. And I think the concern there is the Russians may be peddling disinformation that is lies surrounded by some truth to confuse people. Uh, and this has now been upped because yesterday uh, we had a new report from McClatchy that the intelligence community, in fact, has had a five-agency working group looking at Trump's Russian ties since the spring. So in this case, the dossier, which was compiled by Chris Steele, formerly of British Intelligence, well-regarded intelligence officer, really um, didn't tell the R spies anything they didn't know when he started sharing it with them last summer. And I, I would go so far as to say that the Steele dossier, which has generated this enormous amount of coverage, a lot of it negative, obviously, because of BuzzFeed leaking it, um, actually is kind of a cover mechanism for our spies to conduct the real investigation, which they've been doing now for the better part of a year. So I, I, I think you can judge this by the fact that the, this McClatchy story, uh, which I can independently confirm a lot of it by, I've heard similar things for quite a while now, hit the streets about 24 hours ago, and the president-elect, who's just arriving in D.C. now, has not tweeted a single thing about it, which tells me a lot, since he likes to go on Twitter and mock the intelligence community and call it fake news and liars and compare our spies to Nazis on Twitter. Not a peep. 
which tells me who do you a- think? Wait, wait, but let me, John. Uh, who do you think told? Uh, I want to know your your sense of this one. Uh, who who told the media that the dossier was included in that intel in that intel briefing? Do you think that came? Um, what would you say is the most likely source of that? I think actually someone uh, close to the current outgoing White House uh, leaked that information, um, and, and and you know the, the dossier. And we can agree that that's a political shot, right? I mean, that's that is oh, what sure. that is. Welcome to D.C. Welcome to D.C. Yeah. I mean, this is how the game gets played, and the, the Trump folks tomorrow are going to be able to play it, you know, the way they want to because they're going to have the White House and indirectly all of our security agencies. This is you know welcome to to life inside the Beltway. Unfortunately, it's been this way a long time. Uh, and now, but t- tell everybody, the McClatchy report yeah. has gotten very little play. I'm not seeing you know, the, the furor over the 35-page yeah. dossier. Dossier is like a word of the year now. The furor over that right. whole thing was was everywhere, all over the news, all over the media. Uh, this McClatchy report that you mentioned, uh, so far, other than, uh, honestly, John, I didn't know about it until I read your piece. So crickets on this one. What does well, it say? Yeah, crickets. Well, I, okay, let's be honest. The dossier which BuzzFeed leaked was fun and salacious and golden showers and allegations of prostitutes, and that gets, that gets social media going insane. Uh, talking about a judicious, careful, multi-agency intelligence inquiry into possible illicit Russian funding of the Trump campaign just isn't sexy. This is where, where you need accountants, not, not really 007, to get to the bottom of this. So I, I think just the reality is the McClatchy piece was carefully reported, stuck close to what multiple sources had leaked to them, and wasn't trying to be sensationalistic. Therefore, it really hasn't created the stir that you would think it would. And I hope my, my piece gets people to look and see that, no, there actually is something important here. And I also highlight the fact that it's not just U.S. intelligence that the president-elect needs to be concerned about. A lot of our allies have pieces of Trump's story, whatever that is, to his ties to the Russians that go back years. Um, and they're going to keep leaking this too. I mean, Trump is going to try and shut down an intelligence community investigation of himself. Obviously, that's again, that's just politics in D.C. But he can't shut down our foreign partners, and he also can't shut down the Senate. The Senate Intelligence Committee is going to have their own investigation with subpoena power into possible Russian ties to our election in 2016. And the, the president-elect cannot tell Congress what to do on that. Now, the notion of Russian money in the Trump campaign, you mentioned this in the piece. Why that that to me just seems like such a huge risk for so little reward for the the Trump. And and I know the Trump world in terms of politics, everything is is different. Right. All all the things we thought we knew were not true in (laughs) in terms of what was necessary for a campaign. The ground game. He was disqualified 15 times over by things he said. Actually, no, he wasn't. So I understand that there's a a funhouse mirror effect going on with everything with the Trump campaign specifically. But taking Russian money, do you think that they didn't know they were taking Russian money? I mean, what would be the what would be the rationale behind that? Well, I think the rationale is the, the, the Trump organization, I mean, they've admitted this, has been taking money from Russian sources for years, not all of them entirely legitimate, it would seem. Uh, so if they were just putting a little more money into that pot, into that little kitty, that might not have seemed all that abnormal. And, you know, who knows what the Trump people were aware of even. I mean, this is where there's a lot about the story we don't know. Um, to, to what extent was was Trump witting of pop Russian money, or were, were his were the people in his inner circle aware of what was going on? We simply don't know. 
And this is what the Senate's going to have to ask, because I agree with you that it seems to be an extraordinarily risky thing to do, even for Trump, even on Trump, on planet Trump, where everything kind of goes and consequences seem for other people. But that it's a shocking story if this is a case of where Russian, the Russian government or people acting on behalf of the Russian government were in effect laundering money to give to the Trump campaign. That, if true, is really, really shocking stuff. And the Senate's going to need to find out if that's true or not. What do you make of the, the newfound uh, Democrat bellicosity when it comes to all things Russia? Yeah, uh, they carved yeah. up they carved up a piece off of Crimea. They carved up Crimea. Uh, they they were involved in a in a not so covert covert war in eastern Ukraine. They've been annihilating civilians, including in Aleppo in Syria from the air, as well as putting Spetsnaz on the ground and doing God knows what. All of that has been happening. They've been intervening in European politics and have real leverage. And, you know, it gets really cold in Germany in the winter and they get 30 percent of their natural gas from Russia. So there's a lot of connectivity there as well, as you well know, John. But now all of a sudden it's a big deal and they want to handle it. It it does seem that that doesn't mean that they're wrong and that there's a problem, but it does seem like this is very new from the left. It's very new, and I think they need to be careful, because as concerned as I am about our soon-to-be president's ties to the Kremlin, um, the, they're making allegations which cannot be substantiated. I mentioned this in my piece. Uh, Newsweek a few days ago reported care of Kurt Eichenwald, sort of liberal icon uh, reporter. He has gone off the, like, off the rails a little bit recently, not to interrupt you, John. Really he's really gone off, off the deep end on this one, and he's claiming to have – you know, knowledge that the Estonians spied on a meeting in Prague between Trump representatives and Russian intelligence. There's one problem. There's no evidence that meeting happened. The FBI looked into it. They couldn't prove it. There's no evidence the Estonians did this. This is just rumor mongering. Uh, I agree it's important. It's true, but that's a very serious accusation to make if you're not sure the story is true. And the, the left is going to destroy themselves on this. They have a lot to work with. There really are shady Trump ties to the Kremlin, but they're going too far. They're accepting things on with little, if any, evidence, and they're going to undermine their own arguments. I think that's unfortunate because the public does have a right to know what the real story is, and I want the Senate to do due diligence and find out in a, to the extent that it can be nonpartisan, find out what's really going on here. I think it's a big national security story. But the left is going bonkers on this, and they really need to calm down because they're, they're, they're blowing up a story that needs to be treated seriously. And that's what I'm Yeah, I mean, the BuzzFeed do. dossier, by the, I, that undermined BuzzFeed. I also think the intelligence Absolutely. community's inclusion of that document in any context, in any briefing, looked really bad. John, you and I both used to see oh, what yeah. would go into that book on a regular basis. And, and there was no oh, sketchy, yeah. can't say who this is, don't know where it came from. But hey, president, this is saying that there's somebody, you're paying people to pee right. on you. I mean, that's what they did. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And to be fair, we don't know how it was hedged. I mean, we don't know, was this put out there as, hey, this could be true. Hey, this could be Russian disinformation. So, you know, we don't really know what this is. If it was done that way, that's one thing. But I agree, BuzzFeed leaking it like that was really irresponsible and shady because this had been in the hands of numerous media organizations for months, and none of them reported it because they couldn't substantiate the more important claims. John, I could talk to you about this for hours, but we only got time really for one more thing. And I I wanted you to explain to me, because you're looking at this from the from the perspective of a of a a Russia expert as well as an intelligence expert. And I know you're breaking it down based on each bit of new information as it comes in. But at a at a at a macro view, then the idea of Donald Trump or rather the idea of the Kremlin having real leverage of Vladimir Putin having real leverage over Donald Trump 
absent some horrific video that they said existed in the dossier, which I, I don't think that video exists, but regardless, right. let's say that doesn't exist. Donald Trump is, is going to be president. Everybody's worried, including many of his base supporters that I know, that he's just going to throw yeah. out a lot of stuff that he said he was going to do. Essentially, can't be trusted, right. changes his mind all the time. That's even some Trumpers that I know think that. Why would Vladimir Putin think that he's able to uh, direct and corral and own this guy? You know what I mean? That, that's the part, that's part yeah. of this that doesn't add up to me. So I wanted to give that to you. I, I think we need to accept the fact that the Russians are cagier than that and probably understand Trump, you know, as well as anyone and understand that he's, you know, extremely fickle to use a, a, a nice word and changes his mind constantly. And the Russians, I don't think the Russians think they own him in any literal sense. I, I think he's an agent of chaos in the American political system for the Russians and that he has certainly achieved and will continue to achieve. I think if the Russians think Trump by himself is going to switch American positions on a host of issues to pro-Russian orientation, that's a very naive take on how American politics works, how Washington works. He can't do that. He can do a little bit of it, but he needs Congress. He needs his own party to do this. And he's just not going to get a lot of traction there, frankly. But what Trump can do is make a complete hash of things and gum up our national security structures, damage our intelligence agencies, and make things in, in D.C. not that functional to start with, coming off eight years of Obama, even worse. And if that's what the Russians expect of him, I think Trump can definitely do that. But that may be but that may be absent any Russian interference or, or Russian coercion. Right. I mean, I think that's in a sense that essentially Possibly, what yeah. you're saying, the Russians yeah. hope he will do. He may do regardless of whether oh, there's no. any real pressure from Russia. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and my concern is not so much about soon to be President Trump as about some of the people around him. Um, who really do have really quite deep Kremlin ties that uh, far beyond what Trump himself. Is. I, I've had to say before uh, on the show that the fact that that somebody of the stature in terms of his resume of Jenna Flynn went on RT when little GS nobody buck in his first couple of years in media was like RT. I'm not going on that friggin' channel. You got to be crazy. Of course not. That's a problem. Right. And that, he, that is a problem for like me. Flynn, if if I knew it, he should have known it too. And he did know it, and that is the problem. Uh, and Flynn is going to do is going to create a lot of chaos in our national security structures uh, from his perch in the White House. And I think, um, you know, we need to be very concerned about this. The potential to do damage is very real, and uh, that doesn't mean Russia's telling them to do this. But Russia can be a real beneficiary of that. And it's a dangerous world, and it's not going to get any safer with American national security in disarray. Spy Clouds Hangover Trump's inauguration is the piece. It's on Observer.com right now. At 20 Committee on Twitter is our man John Schindler. Follow him. John, thanks for joining. Talk to you soon. Pleasure always. Team, we'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, the, the uh, I think it was Black Lives Matter protesters disturbed a brunch that is uh, in an area of the city where I spend a fair amount of time. People can't have brunch without protesters coming in, making a racket, yelling, because you know, you're not allowed to enjoy your time off. Uh, no matter what's going on in your life, it doesn't matter. They're angry protesters. They want to force you to think about what they want you to think about it. 
But now we have people who have showed up at the Trump International Hotel and Tower to protest Obamacare. They all show up. Here, play, play the clip. This is what they do now at a, at a crowded restaurant. I mean, what, what a bunch of babies. What do they think this is going to accomplish? Oh, yeah, sure, I talk about it here, but I talk about it to mock them. Do they think that anyone in that restaurant is going to say, wow, these uh, look like a bunch of grad students that haven't had a real job in their lives. They're all showing up and they're coughing because they like Obamacare. And now when they cough, they won't have Obamacare. So (sighs) Obamacare is terrible. I know people who have it. It is not good. And you don't even have the freedom to buy a plan that would be good at a level that is catastrophic in terms of health. Right. So what I'm saying here is you can't just buy a plan that's like, look, I'm going to cover my own health expenses up to seven thousand dollars, period. Above seven thousand dollars, I want an 80 20 split with the insurance company. That could be a plan. I mean, these are. But no, what you have right now is you got to spend seven or ten grand out of pocket and maybe there's some provisos that let you see a doctor for preventative care or whatever. But really, most of us go to the doctor when we're sick. OK, all this preventative health care stuff, generally speaking, is not taken advantage of. And then beyond that, you have a really narrow doctor network. You got doctors that don't want to take you don't want to take your Obamacare. And so you, then you end up going out of pocket anyway. It's, just, it's not what they pretend that it is. And this has just all become embroiled in the virtue signaling crap of the left, and it makes me mad. Hour three coming up, team. 888-900-3393 on those phones. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.